days of praying and fasting to start the year. And last week, as we were kind of heading in the direction of uh, finishing this fast, I preached a message last week on pursuing God, seeking Him. We highlighted Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, bring your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we focus there and also on Matthew 6, 33. Seek first, what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. And we've asked the Lord, God, we want to wait to hear from you. Our seeking and our waiting is important because then we, when as we wait, that God will put a word in our heart. I also want to just encourage you, if you weren't here last week, that I, I almost beg you uh, to listen online to last week's message because within the message, I kind of started in a unique fashion, giving a status report on several things about the church and some prayer points and where God is moving and where we believe God is taking us. And I would just want to encourage you to get online, listen at least for the first 15, 20 minutes and uh, let God uh, just continue to um, strengthen us as a body. I want to mention before I jump into this week's message as well, uh, next week in your bulletin you saw that we're starting a new series based on the book The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. And I mentioned the uh, first service that this book last year, someone in, in said, hey, you've got to read this, um, probably has become top five, maybe even top three books in the last five years that I have read personally. Just bless me. It stretched me. There are some other resources that kind of come along with that. Um, you can get a little copy here. Uh, Be a Circle Maker, The Solution to 10,000 Problems. You can get this online for like a dollar. You can get a used copy um, uh, sent to you. And uh, it's a great little read and just encourage you to get through that as well. And then this is just... Uh, wonderful little resource. If you have kids, if you are um, raising kids, preschool, nursery, elementary, even if your kids are grown, I would, I believe that this book will bless you. And I, I was just reflecting on it this morning um, and just saying, boy, uh, I need to get through it again. This particular book is it's basically what's in the big book, but focuses on raising kids. And uh, in that, there were some ideas that emerged in our lives for our family in the fall that really blessed us when Reagan turned 13 and some other things that uh, we've got in the works for our family. And I just pray that it'll be a blessing to you. Those, all those resources you can get online. I think the, I, I, I saw on Friday, looked online, the cheapest you can get on Amazon is like seven bucks or so. So that was some shipping. For 10 or 11 bucks, you got the book. And I just encourage you to pick it up as a resource, read the book through the series, and uh, I believe it'll strengthen what God wants to do on Sundays. And just to, there's so much in there, we can't cover it even in a sh few short weeks, um, but just to dive in and let God use that. So as we have been preparing for that, um, I was doing some pre-reading um, in there and even some study in God's Word. Uh, next week, we're going to look at the story of Joshua when he fights and uh, as they kind of overtake the battle uh, at Jericho. We're going to look at that specific story next week to launch into the circle maker. Um, I was reading and just looking at the context, and I was reminded of a story in Joshua chapter 4 and in chapter 5. And I, I had read this story many years ago, and it had been a blessing to me, and I had some things highlighted, and I started to kind of dive into that again, and I said, you know what? 
That's the direction God wants to take us this morning. And it's a story of the, of the children of Israel. They're on their way to Jericho. And Israel finds God's favor and his blessing in a really special way. And uh, it's interesting. I want to give you some history. Almost 400 years prior to this, the, it had been prophesied that God's people would have a place that would be called the promised land. And at that point, when it was first prophesied or first spoken to existence, it was the promised land. They didn't know it was the land of Canaan at that point, but they knew that God had a special place that would be flowing with milk and honey, a beautiful place for not only the people to work and to toil and uh, to be profitable, but it would be lots of land for the, for the cows and for, the, um, for all the cattle uh, as well. The promised land. The, uh, a place of favor. And so Abraham had been uh, prophesied that. He led the children out of Egypt. You know the story, the ten plagues, uh, into the desert. They kind of roamed around for, for a few years. And then Joshua, at this point in Joshua 4 and 5, is now in command. Abraham had died. He sends out spies, kind of like they did originally when Joshua and Caleb were the two that came back uh, originally with the good report. But Joshua sends out spies. They stay with Rahab, the prostitute. They come back, and then they're proceeding to cross the River Jordan. Now, turn with me to Joshua chapter 3. We'll look there first. Joshua chapter 3. Look, let's look at uh, the account of this. It's an, it's an amazing account. In verse 14, it says, So the people broke camp to cross the Jordan. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan was at flood stage during uh, or all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. This is incredible. As soon as the guys that were, that were carrying the ark of the covenant, as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, what happened? The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. The second time that God had done a miracle in this fashion for his people because he loved them and he had a great plan for them. So the children of Israel, they cross on dry land and uh, Joshua says, hey, pick up 12 stones from the, in the middle of the Jordan and, uh, and then the place that they landed was, would be called the place of Gilgal. And a Gilgal was a small place a couple miles northeast of Jericho where they, from there, would launch military attacks. And it became a training ground where God taught his people. There were three lessons at Gilgal that Joshua felt impressed on his heart from the Lord. And it created victory and it created incredible blessings for them. God was moving his people forward, but at Gilgal, he instructed Joshua to do three things, and that's what we want to talk about. The first thing that Joshua was instructed to do was to build an altar. Let's look at it in Joshua chapter 4 there. Chapter 4, let's look at verses 19. We'll start the story there. It says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants asked their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed 
the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just as he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it before us until he had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. The first thing that Joshua was instructed to do from the Lord was to build an altar. To remember. He said, the Lord said to stop and remember. Don't just continue to blaze forward, but remember the miracle of God's provision and his power. And they took 12 stones out of the river Jordan and they placed them up and made an altar before the Lord, each tribe. And these stones weren't to be idols to be worshipped, but they were to be testimonies. They gave reason to praise God. It's interesting that today in leadership stuff that you would read, that it's, we are encouraged along our journey, whether you're an organization, a business, or a church, or a school, or even a family, that if you're going from here to there along your path, it's important to celebrate progress. And that's what the children of Israel were doing. Why? It was to honor God and to look back at how powerful God really was. His provision, his prosperity. If he had done it before, he will do it again. And you know what's interesting this morning? I believe that God calls us, wants us to remember what he has done. To remember his faithfulness. Can you think of some stones in your life? Some memorials as you look back over the years of how God has placed his hand upon your life? in provision or protection, providing. This morning, I want to encourage you. There may be 10 stones or, or where's the, the microphone here? Or maybe 100 stones that kind of come to mind. But think of some, some things that you can say, God, thank you for working in the past. I'm going to share a quick story and then I'm going to open it up for you. We, I would like to hear two or three encouraging words of God's faithfulness through the past, looking back at what God has done, just like the children of Israel. But it's interesting, what God had led me earlier in the week to talk about was our family. Uh, back before our kids were born, we were right out of college. We were dirt poor. In fact, our first year uh, annual income combined was 12000 American dollars. <laughs> and uh, we, were, we were poverty. And uh, we went to our first position in Dayton, Ohio. The Lord was working. We got a second car. And uh, a few months in, uh, probably just over a year, what was interesting is that in one week's time, both transmissions in our cars went out. And we had no emergency fund. We had no idea how God was going to provide. I was a children's pastor, and I knew that God answered the prayers of kids. And so we gathered up the kids that Sunday morning, and we said, hey, let's pray. Let's ask God for a miracle. And that day... One of our leaders came to me and said, Hey, Pastor, uh, Pastor Ben, I, the Lord has prompted that we want to pay for one of the transmissions uh, for your car. And so we were able to fix that one right away and get it right back to us. The other one we kind of discussed and we're saying, What do we do? And we decided to take out a 90 day note, same as cash. And we had never done anything like that before, but we're saying, Hey, we got to get this fixed. We got to get to work. Jessica was working at that time. We're saying, Okay, what do we do? And we did. And we said, okay, in 90 days, God, we're trusting that you'll provide for us. 
Well, it, while that was in the works, God was working also in, in, a, in another area. Um, there was a family in our church that were close to us. The man worked with another guy, and his wife was getting rid of a car that she had. It was only a few years old, had 60,000 miles, a beautiful Acura legend. My friend said, hey, uh, my friend uh, that I work with wants to give you a car. And I said, is it a car that you would drive? <laughs> you know how it is, you know. I don't want another piece of junk, you know. You know, that kind of thing. We would have been grateful for it. And um, he said, listen, I would drive this car. I didn't know what an Acura legend was. When I pulled up at the bank and met this guy for about six minutes, literally that's about all I ever knew this guy. I've only seen him once in my life. I pulled up, and I'm like, this car looks like a BMW. I mean, it was a gorgeous luxury sedan. It was awesome. 60,000 miles. The guy put on uh, four brand-new Michelin tires right before he gave it to us. And God provided. We were able to bless another family in the church with our cougar. <laughs> and uh, God bless them. And someone, they drove it off a cliff. This, the people, the poor lady, she drove it off a 10-foot cliff. She was okay. And uh, crazy story. But anyway... I forgot about that. I didn't say that first service. But anyway, God provided. So, you know, it's interesting. This morning, we're sitting here. We got a totaled car. We don't know what's going to happen. You know what? We can look back and say, you know what? God has provided for us in this way before. He's going to do it again. We just trust that. And we can look back. And that's what they were doing at Gilgal. They were looking back saying, okay, these will be a reminder for future, uh, future kids and their grandkids to say, God provided here. So, real quick, are there any uh, testimonies kind of welling up in your heart that you say, boy, I'd love to share of how God has provided in the past. And if there aren't any, we'll, we'll kind of go on. Pastor P, you want to lead us off? Good. Share with us a moment. Okay. Um, well, God's, God's provided me so many times, but one of the, mo the times that sticks out the most to me is when I was young, me and Deb just had got married. I was probably 20, 21 years old, and and I, we, I was a single guy living in an apartment, and within five months, I think, I got married, bought a house, and started a business. Wow. And so that was a lot for me, and, you know, so I was stretched pretty thin at that moment. And, you know, I'm doing this roofing thing. I was a roofing contractor for a number of years, and I needed tires on my vehicle. And I was to a point where I just, I couldn't, you guys probably know the story. I couldn't buy the tires. And so I go there, and, like, because I get nails, and I go to the 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 landfill all the time and it's just I'd pick up nails and so I needed four brand new tires so I called Deb I'm like honey you know they gave me the price of the tires it was you know pretty expensive and she's like Pete we don't have that and I was like well I don't know what to do I can't make money unless this truck is moving you know right. what I mean I, I gotta have this this is my work vehicle and so I'm on the phone I'm like what am I gonna do and this little lady strolls up in this Cadillac and says young man what's your problem and I'm on the phone with my wife and I'm like you know you know what, nothing, I'm fine. She goes, no, what's your problem? What do you need? <coughs> so eventually I'm like, well, you know, I need tires on my vehicle. And she says, hang on, I'll be right back. And so she, she zips off in her Cadillac, comes back, and gives me over what I needed in cash, just hands me money. Says, get out of here. Man, Come on. Get some tires. Oh, oh here, this is, I'm telling a story here. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We're illustrating. <laughs> um, she goes, here, young man, buy, buy the tires. And so I go up to pay the guy at Discount Tire, and he says, that's a pretty good conversation you just had. And, and I said, it <laughs> I was, and it, and it, like, I had more than enough, like $100 more, and I said, here, you know, take it, but God provided for me in my time of need, and Amen. it's amazing, and I can look back and say, you know, every time I've struggled, God has brought me through, and he's going to do it again, and that, 
It's kind of something that stuck out to me. Awesome. Hey, thanks for sharing that. Isn't that good? Praise God. You know, it could be provision in finances. It could be provision in protection. Anyone else want to share a quick reminder? Uh, go ahead, Dominica. Oh, okay. Um, I was a single parent, and like you guys, I was living on 15000 a year, trying to do what I could with my four kids. And um, there was one Christmas that I was just freaking out. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I'd been paying my tithes, so I was just trying to have faith that things mm. were going to work out. Sure. And um, I went to my mailbox one day, which was like the dreaded thing to do. I hated going to my mailbox. I mm. checked my mail like once a week then. <laughs> sure. But um, <laughs> I went to my mailbox, and I found a check that I had for $500 that I didn't expect. Awesome. So it was awesome. It worked out, and the kids had Christmas. So awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah, God, he cares for us. We can look back at these times and say, okay, God, you were good then. Your track record is good. I can trust you today no matter what I'm facing. One more. Anybody want to share this thought? Yeah, Judy, sure. This is another uh, story about provision. Because I remember when I was single, and I was going to uh, Resurrection Life in Grand Haven, and it hadn't really formed a church yet. It was before the church really got yeah. started. And um, matter of fact, I think they were meeting in Spring Lake. And at, I was single at the time, and I had my bathroom at my house was in deplorable condition. It was so bad, like around the toilet, you know, you'd sweep and you'd just keep sweeping the floor <laughs> and more stuff would come up sure, from it. Sure. And I remember saying to God, it's going to make me cry because it was such a blessing. I says, God, I'm going to clean this bathroom to you. I said, I don't know how to get this fixed. I don't have the money. And, you know, one day, one of the elders came over to my house for something. He says, can I use your bathroom? I felt kind of embarrassed for him to use it, to be honest with you. But I, of course, said yes. And he came out, and he didn't say anything. And I went to a women's meeting a, a, a few weeks later, and one of the, the pastor's wife came up to me and says, Judy, and I hadn't told anybody about this. I hadn't said anything. I just prayed and asked God. And he says, the church is going to redo your bathroom. Wow. And they came in and redid the whole bathroom. Wow. And what a blessing that was to me. And all wow. I did was clean up for God. <laughs> there you go. Praise the Lord. Isn't that incredible? And there's lots of stories maybe that are kind of going around in your mind. I pray that each of us, young people and old, older here, that we could think of some things in our lives that we can look back and say, okay, God, you have provided them. Today, no matter what I'm facing, we can, we can uh, trust you today, that your track record is good. We would do well, church, not to focus on the troubles that are right before us. Instead, we need to celebrate the God who has demonstrated his power and his provision in the past. Amen? Do you believe that? When our backs are up against the wall, God opens the door of provision. And that was the first lesson at Gilgal. The Gilgal, they said, here, we're going to focus on being happy with God. Not to focus on our problems, but to major in thanksgiving, to rejoice. And I'll tell you, sometimes when there's heaps of trouble in front of us, it is difficult to rejoice. But that's what the Lord calls us to do, is to rejoice. And the reason why 
is if we don't rejoice in what, what has happened in the past, we can slip into this spiritual amnesia where we can kind of get into a place where we don't trust God anymore. But I believe as we trust or as we thank the Lord, and as we even do that this morning, we'll have opportunity to do that, that as we begin to remember what God has done, that our next blessing will start to emerge so we can continue to move forward. I believe that God wants to do that for us this morning. Let's continue on in the story. Joshua chapter one, 5, verse 1. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over. Their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Isn't that great that, uh, that God's word went forward? The word of what happened went out and now the enemies are not attacking. And uh, I just said first service, I believe that it was a word for someone then and I believe it could be a word for someone even right now that the, when the enemies are attacking or the situations seem like, like they're, you can't get away from it and there's an attack on your life and maybe it's a relationship or something like that, that when God starts to move, like he did here at Gilgal, the enemies heard and they backed away. And I just believe that in some of our situations that the enemy is, is uh, retreating because you were thankful and you were rejoicing in the Lord. And I just want to speak that over us. And then that moves us to the second lesson at Gilgal. And we find it in uh, chapter 5, verses 2 through 9. I'll read these verses. And what happened here is the Lord called the children of Israel to be circumcised again. Let's listen. At that time, the, the, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the, Ilust, the uh, Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Harafla, <laughs> something like that. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about the desert for, for 40 years until all the men who were of military age, when they left Egypt, had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. Now... For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give the land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 7, so he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones that Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. No kidding. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. Circumcision. The generation rescued from Egypt had forgotten something. They were wandering in the desert for 40 years and they stopped practicing the sign of the covenant that God had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To be a Hebrew man meant to be circumcised. And for 40 years in the wilderness, they wandered. And God's people stopped honoring their covenant obligations. And God said, look, 
I brought you this far, but he says, stop. Don't move any further until we get this taken care of. It's interesting that the word Gilgal in the Hebrew sounds like the word roll or rolling. And in verse 9, it says that, that um, let's read it again. Today, God says, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Gilgal was where the Israelites rolled into alignment with God's requirements so that God could bless them again. Now, to me, when I read this, it's all about obedience and about honoring God and addressing sin in their lives. Today, we don't like to talk about obedience related to God's blessing. It's easier to say, well, God is love, God is faithful, regardless of what my lifestyle might be. Well, who's the judge anyway? Who wears the standard, really? And what happens is we'll go through life and we harbor bitterness, but we still want God to bless us. Or we cheat on the job and we still want God to bless us. Or we have some secret sin in our lives that no one knows about, but we still expect God to bless us. And the fact is, we go through life, some of us, we say, well, I don't think God will really withhold his goodness just because of the way I live. Nobody's perfect, right? Well, the truth is no one's perfect, but there's a big difference between willfully disobeying God's word persistently and someone who wants to do what's right and falls short. We can read in the New Testament about Paul's struggles. Paul said, look, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I, that I do, I, or I shouldn't do, he says, and the things that I want to do, I don't do confusing, I know. But I can relate. And I'll tell you, there's times that I've woke up, and maybe it's the way that I've treated my family, and I would say, man, I need to disqualify myself from leading the Gateway Church, or something else in my life that has kind of emerged. And what, I, what the truth is, is that we all need to walk in the light as He is in the light, like 1 John 1, 7 says. Yeah, we're not perfect, but we need to be transparent. We need to be sincere. But the truth is, is that you cannot have God's blessings and your sin at the same time. And that was the lesson, the second lesson at Gilgal. That's what Gilgal means. If God would allow this to happen, let's say you could just continue in your sin, your, uh, your addiction or your, your gambling or your bitterness, your unforgiveness, and then say, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. What would that be? It would be as if God was giving a license for rebellion because it goes against God's word. Circumcision for Gilgal. They were not lining up with what God had called them to do. Now, let's just be real honest. I know my son's here, um, but, and I'll explain this later to him. In fact, buddy, I circumcised you, and I'll tell you about that later. I... <laughs> But that's a different story. I've got some explaining to do later. But let's just be honest. No one from the outside would know if the Israelites were circumcised or not. You tracking with me? 
But they could say, well, we're children of, uh, you know, we're descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isn't that enough? Who would really know? But isn't that the way the enemy would love, how the devil would love to trick us? The point is, is that they knew and God knew. And the point is this morning, with our sin, God knows, but you know as well. You may be great at hiding it. No one else knows. But let me just assure you that your holiest days will be your happiest days. And the Israelites, they got right with God and then were prepared for what was next. And they were heading to the battle of Jericho. I believe this as I was reading this and uh, going through. If they would not have taken care of business in Gilgal, they would not have been successful at Jericho. It would have been different. I believe that. And I believe the same is true for us on our journey. We need to stop hiding the greed or the anger or bitterness. We need to release the unforgiveness, the selfishness, the drunkenness, the pornography addiction, the drugs, the spending, the gambling, the things that are holding us back the sin in our lives as believers, we must deal with it. Church, we need to get right with God again. God told the children of Israel, stop, be circumcised. And today, I believe God is saying to stop and repent and get right with God. See, disobedience leads to a loss of peace, a loss of power, what's next. And not only that, we lose a lot, but our obedience pleases God. It's what God longs from each of us. The second lesson was a, excuse me, was a lesson of obedience. And the third lesson came in the next two verses in Joshua chapter 5 that the children of Israel not only created an altar. They not only were circumcised, but they partook in the Passover. They celebrated the Passover. Let's look at verse 10. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while they camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land unleavened bread and roasted grain. And they were saying, praise the Lord, because they'd been eating manna for 40 years. And so something different was welcomed for sure. It says this, it's interesting. The manna stopped the day after they ate the food from the land. They didn't need it anymore. God wasn't going to be wasteful. And so the manna stopped and there was no longer a need for the manna for the Israelites. But that year they ate from the produce of Canaan. Now, when you look at this, The Passover to them was incredibly important. It, again, celebrated God's provision and His protection. It went back to the original time when they were in Egypt, in the 10th plague in Egypt. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. We look at this, and and there were all those plagues that kind of came up, and then the last one, the death angel was to come over all of Egypt and to kill. Listen to what it says. This is what God said. On the same night I will pass through Egypt, and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. 
I am the Lord. Then listen to this. The blood, everyone say the blood. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destruction, plague, no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And they remembered that the blood of Jesus that they put over their doorpost had protected them, had provided. It was a sign of what God had done for them. Now, we don't celebrate the Passover as Christian believers. Some Christian Jews do, and I've done, we've done a, a Seder a, um, with some people that they will observe the Passover, and it's quite uh, enlightening. But today, we partake in communion, the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. And what we do and what we have before us even this morning is a representation that we recognize that only the blood of Jesus shields us from the awful judgment of God for our sins. It's the blood of Jesus that covers us. We don't deserve it, but when God looks on us as believers, He doesn't see our sin. He sees Christ's blood, and He passes over where He would strike us down at Judgment Day and say, nope, forever away from me. Instead, he says, no, my son's blood is on you. Come on in for an eternity with Jesus. Church, it's not our good intentions or our tearful appeals. It's not our merit, how good we can be. It's only the blood of Jesus that puts us in right standing with Jesus. Can I say this boldly? That the blood is strong enough to break the chains of drugs and of crime. It's strong enough to overwhelm our bad habits. The blood of Jesus, it takes over bad socioeconomics. It delivers us from bad relationships and friendships. Christ's sacrifice frees us from the punishment that we deserve. And it's at the center of what we believe And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion, Christ's blood and his body being broken for us. At Gilgal, they remembered the blood. And today, church, we need to remember the blood of Jesus, how it washes us. There's this old song, some of you might remember it. If you weren't weren't brought up in church, you might not know it. I think it was an Andre Crouch song. It says, the blood of Jesus, it reaches to the highest mountains. It flows to the lowest valley, right? And the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it's power, something or something, it'll never fail. (laughs) That's right. It'll never fail. And we need to remember that this morning. The result of Gilgal taking these three steps provided a place where God blessed the children of Israel. 
Gilgal became a place where God rested. And it was interesting, and uh, I'm not going to take the time, but in Judges chapter 2, verse 1, we see that the Lord was resting there. And it became a place where for generations and generations, they would come back to that place to remember. Samuel would come back. And even if you fast forward, Joshua had died, and, and Israel was drifting again. And the angel of the Lord, it says, actually left Gilgal and went to Bochim. And it was interesting, as I studied that this week, and we don't have the time to get into it, but there was a, uh, an interesting thing that the angel of the Lord was resting there. I went through as many verses as I could on the angel of the Lord, where it talked about the angel of the Lord this week. In not one other place in Scripture did it describe where the angel of the Lord was coming from until this time. And that was the only time, to my knowledge. And it says he was coming from Gilgal and went to Bochim. The angel of the Lord rested there because the people honored him. They celebrated, they rejoiced of their past. It was a memorial of the stones. They also dealt with the sin in the camp. They had been living in disobedience. And then they remembered the blood of Jesus. It was a perfect place for the Lord to rest on them. And I believe that the Lord wants to rest on us today as well. The point is God blessed Israel at Gilgal. Was that their final destination? Absolutely not. They were about to conquer Jericho. And then as you read through Joshua, Joshua is probably the bloodiest uh, book in the Bible, the most battles. And so they started in Egypt. They were headed to Canaan. But along the way, God met Israel. And I believe that along your journey, along your path, that God wants to meet you. And God wants to meet you today. So let me ask you a couple questions, and we're going to wrap this up. What is your promised land? Where has God called you to go? Where has there been prompting in the Spirit to go? And I'm not talking about a promised land, just a simple uh, uh, material blessings. The promised land is bigger than just attaining money or vacations or, or a, a good stock portfolio or having good-looking kids that make the honor roll. The promised land is not a place where you just kind of arrive and relax and do nothing. None of those things would give justice to the picture that God wants for you or for me or for us corporately. God calls us to have life to the fullest, John 10.10. And so today I want you to picture your life that if you started maybe at the point of salvation and then where God wants to take you, where are you along the journey? And I believe today is a day to stop and to be thankful for the progress that, you've, that God has made. Even if you're up against it and there, there's mountains of trouble before you, stop and remember where God has taken you. The second thing is I believe that we as believers along our journey, we need to take moments like this morning to say, God, cleanse my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Whatever it is in your life that's holding on, you know, Satan can get a foothold and it can limit our effectiveness. Listen, you cannot have God, God's blessing, His favor, and sin long-term in your life. God wants to meet us along the way. Gilgal, Gilgal was blessed. I believe the Gateway Church will be blessed as we do this corporately and it will prepare us for more. Last week, we talked as a church that our, our roots started in 2001, 
and that wasn't our final resting place. And we believe more than ever that we have a place ahead of us, a promised land. We may not know the name of it, just like they didn't know the name of Canaan at that point when God promised it. But more than ever, we see that God is moving. But along the journey, we need to stop. We need to celebrate. We need to get right with the Lord and to honor the blood of Jesus. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I've been praying, and we've had people praying for you this morning. That if you're here today, and you are along your journey, or maybe you've never started your journey with the Lord, either way, and you're saying, Pastor Ben, today I'm not right with the Lord. I don't have Jesus at the center of my life. And if today you, des- you would like to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says we've all fallen. We're all sinners. There's no one here that could stand before God without the blood of Jesus to cover him. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I need the blood of Jesus to cover my sins. Would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. But if that's you, I want to encourage you just to ask the Lord this morning to save you. I'm looking over on my left, your right. Anyone over here in the middle section? Anyone at all? On my right, your left. Saying, yep, that's me. I need the blood of Jesus to cover my sins. All right, let me have your eyes on me just for another moment. Listen, let's just assume that we're all believers this morning. Aren't you thankful for the moment that you gave your heart to Jesus? That's a stone of remembering to look back and say, man, my life once was lost, I was lost, but now I'm found. We can look back. Let's just assume that that's our starting point today, our self-salvation But God has a plan for us and for you today. And no no matter where you are on the line, heading towards the the promised land, your promised land, I'm going to encourage you today to stop, to be thankful to the Lord, and then to move beyond that, not only to be thankful, but to deal with, with the sin that has crept in to your life. The reality is, and I'm leading the way today, that we all fall short. There are things in our lives that can creep in, greed or anger or unforgiveness. Some here today may be struggling with drugs and alcohol or selfishness. It could be your spending habits that are out of control or gambling. It could be an addiction or trouble with pornography. This morning, the Lord wants you to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm done. Like the children of Israel did. And they took care of business. You say, well, no one really knows or it's really not affecting me, the things I struggle with. Baloney. You know and God knows. And this morning, we've created an environment here to end the service in these last couple moments to honor the Lord with communion. 
the body that was broken for us, the blood that was shed for us. And I'm going to encourage each one of us here individually to do three things. First is to thank the Lord, to find yourself at an altar this morning, maybe at the literal altar or maybe at your seat, but before you leave, to spend some time and just to thank God for his provision, his protection in your life to this point, to look back. Say, man, I can't even hardly look back because of what's ahead. Forget about what's ahead and remember God's goodness, okay? That's number one. The second thing is I want you to come and I want you to get the elements here to remember the blood of Jesus that covers us, the body that was broken. And individually, on your own time, we're not going to take all together, but individually, I want you to find a place and take communion. And remember the blood of Jesus that covers us and forgives us of our sin. And in that, I want you to address the areas of sin that have creeped in to your life. And I want you to be honest between you and God. And even if no one else knows, kind of like the children of Israel, who would know if we're circumcised, right? Well, God knows, and you know. And today, I believe, is a day along your journey to say, hey, I'm going to stop here, and before I go another step, I'm going to take care of the sin in my life. Church, can I just be real honest with you? I believe that as we do this corporately, I believe it is going to put us in a place as a team, as a movement, to be able to conquer what's ahead of us. I sense it in my spirit that God has called us to a promised land. We talked about it last week, and again, get online and listen to those first 20 minutes at least about what God is doing and where God, is, we believe, is taking us. But in order for us to get there, we need to, st- we need to stop along our journey and celebrate to deal with sin and obey God and to honor the blood of Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then we've got a worship CD we're going to put on, and I'm going to ask at your own time to come to take the elements, find yourself at an altar, and thank the Lord, deal with the sin, and to honor the blood of Jesus this morning. Lord, thank you for moments like this in our lives where we can honor you. God, I pray that you would take us to a new level. But before that happens, Lord, we need to address where we are today. God, help us. I pray that your grace would be flowing in this room. And Lord, I pray that there would be the hard work, God, even the painful work of dealing with sin in our lives. God, I pray that you would help us no matter what it is. And God, we look forward to what you have for us. But for today, we're going to stop and remember and deal with a few things. Help us today in Jesus' wonderful name.